Genesis chapter 22 is our text today as we look at the name of God, the Hebrew name of God, Jehovah Jireh, or Yireh, the God who provides, the God who sees, literally the word see, it means to see. He is the God who provides. He sees beforehand and he acts on behalf of his people. Did you know today that God is madly in love with you and he is thrilled that you are in his house today to worship him and to know him and to be still and know that he is God. I'm just grateful today to be able to preach on this text to talk about how awesome you are, God, that you are a providing God, a generous God, a loving God, and you care deeply for your people. Now, this text today, oh, man, let me tell you, it is riveting, controversial, intense, gut-wrenching. A good friend of mine in college, he was my college roommate. He was a freshman and a great guy, he said, I can't follow Christ. He said, I can't, I can't follow a God of Genesis chapter 22. I didn't even know what Genesis 22 said, so I had to go make sure I, I read it and understood it. And I thought, oh, I understand what you're saying. So, no, I can't serve a God who asks me for something like that. Ask me to give up my only son. I'm not going to serve a God like that. And I thought, oh, but Ed, keep reading. <laughs> keep reading the story and see it in its context of God's great love and how God, he, he makes demands on us and he puts us through a series, a battery of tests, not because he hates us and not because he's evil, but because he loves us and he has this grand, salvific, awesome plan for the ages. Oh, make sure you read Genesis 22, the whole thing. So guess what? We are. We get to read all 18 verses. Are you going to comment on all 18 verses? Well, what if I want to? It's okay, you know. I mean, we are here before God to worship Him. I mean, to be in His presence, to open up this sacred, amazing text and let God just have His way in us. And, oh, well, let me tell you, He's been working on me. I mean, God is He's massaging me and He is tenderizing my heart and He is moving in my heart. And, and I believe I have a word for our church today. I believe it's a prophetic, definitive word for Great Hills Baptist Church. And I'm, I just want you to know, guys, I'm, I'm just fired up and I'm serious. Not that I'm never not serious when I'm preaching, but I'm serious on steroids, okay? That's what I am today. Whew, this poor pulpit got whooped last service. I was picking this thing up and slamming it down and it just makes me feel oh, strong to be able to do that. All right. Glad it's not heavy. Okay, Genesis 22. Woo, let's read it. Y'all, you ready? Say amen. amen. Oh, God, speak to us. Oh, how we need you so desperately to speak to us. Now, it came to pass after these things. Well, let's stop right there for just a minute. What things? If, if Abraham knew anything, he knew what it was like to be tested. After these things, God tested Abraham. This is not the first test. This is a battery, a series, multiple, multiple tests. Let me give you some. For example, in Genesis chapter 12, God said, Abraham, leave your family. Leave your homeland. You can, you can bring Lot. You can bring your nephew and your wife, and then come on to a land that I will show you. And so he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, Iraq, Tigris, Euphrates, River. He migrates westward 1,500 miles, and he lands in a place called Canaan. 
And the Bible says he didn't know where he was going. Abraham, do you trust me enough that I have your best intentions, that I am sovereign God? I know what I'm doing. I didn't just wake up yesterday. I'm from all time and eternity. Will you trust me and do what I ask you to do? And Abraham says, God, I will. So he went, passed the test. Another test in Genesis 14, Lot got in trouble hanging out in Sodom, which he shouldn't have. He got in trouble, and so Abraham had to go in and deliver him. And it was a, I mean, it was a test of his manhood. He was not cowardice. He was courageous. He went in. He passed the test. Oh, but listen to this test. God said, Abraham, how old are you? He says, Lord, I'm old. How old is your, how old is your wife? Lord, you know she's old too. Well, guess what? I'm going to give y'all a baby. You're going to have a baby in your old age. And the Bible says in Genesis 17, 16, that Abraham and Sarah laughed at God. I mean, it was so ridiculous and outrageous and outlandish that they said, God, that, is this some big cosmic comic joke? I can't, we can't have children. And God says, do you trust me? And they were like, well, yeah, I guess if, 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 you want us, if, if that's what you want for us. Listen to this text. Genesis 18, 14 says... Is anything too hard for God? Woo! Is anything too hard for me, says the Lord? At the appointed time, I'm going to come back to you. You're going to have a baby. Dude, you're going to have a baby. And dudette, y'all going to have a baby. That's the way it is. And you're going to call his name Isaac, which his name means laughter, because it's funny. Do you believe me? I do pass the test, but this test. All the other tests are pop quizzes compared to this is the SAT, the ACT, the GRE, the MCAT, and the LSAT all rolled into one. This is the big daddy. This is the cumulative, comprehensive, culminating, consummating exam of his life. Abraham, do you love me that you would give me your son, your son of promise? Well, let's look and see. God said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Wow, three awesome words. Here I am. And verse 2 says, then he said, take now your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac, whom you have loved. And go to the land of Moriah. Church family, Great Hills, please underline that word Moriah. That's, re that's referring to a destination, to a place that Abraham was to go and offer his son. Offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham got mad and called God ridiculous and said, You are crazy. I am not following you anymore. Now, that's what we would do. That's what I would have done. But Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and he went. Are you listening to me, church family? He went to the very place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. 
And Abraham said to his young men, stay here, guys, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I, we're going to go there, we're going to go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. First of all, let's stop and just, just kind of unpack and walk through the text together. Number one, I want to share with you, there is a painful test going on in his life. As I mentioned earlier, all the other tests were pop quizzes compared, juxtaposed to this test. This test, guys, is huge. How much do you really love me, Abraham? Are you willing to give me the son of promise that I have given unto you? The Bible says that Abraham loved him. I believe he really loved him. Who knows, maybe his love for the son of promise eclipsed and usurped even the love that he had for God. And so God says, Abraham, will you give him up? You know, what's the amazing thing about God is he doesn't play second. He is, he always is first. So you say, yeah, I know, I know that about God. And I, don't, I don't seem to like that sometimes because he's always got to call the shots in my dating life, in my married life, in my finance life, in my job life. It's like he always, it could be because he knows better. He knows more than us. Do you trust me? Is there anything in your life today that you have as an Isaac? Is it your job? Is it a relationship? Is it a cherished son or grandson that you're so proud of that you actually worship them more than God? Well, let me just let you in on something with God. He don't play like that. <laughs> he has to be number one. Why? Because he deserves it. He's king, and he wants to be first and foremost in our life. More about this in a moment because he, he wants to bless us. Now, you say, well, that's good about Abraham. But, you know, I'm so glad God doesn't act that way, you know, like today. Aren't you glad? I mean, that's the Old Testament. Amen. And I'm glad he doesn't ask hard, big, prodigious things of me today. Oh, let me tell you something, friend. He still does. He still asks and demands the hard things of us. Let me, let me give you a couple examples here in the Scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says this about God. And says this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, Offered him up, Isaac, his beloved, cherished son, the son of promise. He offered him uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Come on into the New Testament some more. Listen to this one, beloved. Ugh, don't you just wish some passages were not in the Bible? I mean, really? This, this wears me out. I'm like, Lord, can you please remove that from sacred, holy canon of Scripture? He says, no, because you need it. Beloved, don't think it a strange thing that you're undergoing this fiery trial which is trying you, which is wearing you out, which is beating you up, it's pulling you down. Don't think it's strange. Like, oh my word, I can't believe that happened. Why? Why not? God tests his children. Oh, listen to this. God gave me this one in my quiet time this morning. I didn't have time to put it on PowerPoint. Well, you can still preach without PowerPoint. Amen. Listen to this. Proverbs 17, 3. The refining pot is for silver. Furnace is for gold. God tests his children. Sometimes I almost say, God, would you just quit? Would you just leave? Would you leave me alone? You ever done that? God, just leave me alone. And God says, no. I'm not going to leave you alone. Because I love you too much. 
And I want what's best for you. And just like working out those little weights tears it down in order that you might what? Be built up. Students in school, like I hate tests, quizzes. Oh, they're just ridiculous, but they're necessary. We know that. So God tests us. He stretches us. I hope, number two, we can be like Abraham. We can be pliable. We can be pliable, moldable servants of him. I tell you what, guys, we, it may be we ought to be real concerned if he doesn't test us. <laughs> what, if he, what if he quit? He just left you alone. That's what you wanted. And as hard as it is, and Abraham would probably agree with us and say, oh, this was so hard. You don't know how hard this was. I mean, God is asking me. He's asking everything of me. Give me your son. And yet he does in obedience. In verse 1, in verse 3, it says he has prompt obedience. He doesn't debate. He doesn't rationalize. He doesn't argue. He doesn't give remonstrance. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't curse. He doesn't say, what are you doing to me? Leave me alone. He doesn't do that. He says, okay, we'll do it. We will give this son of ours to you. That's what you ask for. Can I ask you again, guys, do you have anything in your life that's in competition with Christ? Then you've got to give it up. You know, I'm not a big baseball fan except in October. And it really does border on the miraculous that the Texas Rangers have made the playoffs. I've been pulling for those rascals forever. I didn't think they would ever make the play, And they have made, and the Atlanta Braves, Chad, have made the playoffs. It's, oh, it's just wonderful. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. And even the dreaded Yankees have made the playoffs. I'm sorry back there, brother. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I know you love them. Let me tell you about the Yankees for just a minute. They're the greatest of all time. Maybe that's why I don't like them. Bobby Richardson was the all-star second baseman, Nate, probably know this, of the New York Yankees. Bobby Richardson won a Golden Glove from 1961 through 1965. Bobby Richardson was the deal. He couldn't hit a lick, but he could field so amazing they had to keep him in. But in the 1960 World Series, the guy became the most valuable player of the World Series. He still holds the record today for the most RBIs in one game, six, and the most hits in a World Series, 13. The, the record still stands. In July of 1963, he batted 22 times against the Detroit Tigers. I mean, Bobby Richardson... He is, I mean, we know Mickey Mantle and we know all these other big guys, but Bobby Richardson was, some would say, he was the glue that held those world championship teams together. By the way, Bobby Richardson is crazy about Jesus Christ. He loves the Lord. I heard him say with his own mouth, and my two ears heard him say these words. But it wasn't always like that. He said, early on in my career... Baseball became my God. He said, we were on a, a, a road trip, and I'm, 
He said, I was out of fellowship with God. I was far removed from him. Baseball was preeminent. It was my God. And I got down on my knees one night in this hotel room, and, and I reached up under my bed, and I grabbed my glove, and I took my glove, and I said, here it is, God. And I'm so sorry. You've given me this gift. You've given me this ability, and yet I have made this more important than you. And so tonight, Lord, I'm going on record. I give it to you. Do you want it? I'll never play another inning. I'll never go to bat again. God, I'm sorry. Here is my glove. Here is my profession. Here is my life. And I totally give it all to you. And Bobby Richardson was serious. He said, God was testing me. God wanted to see, did I really love him more than, and you fill in the blank. By the way, when Mickey Mantle died, it was just a few years ago. Well, it's been more than just a few now. But when Mickey Mantle died, he didn't ask for a priest, preacher, rabbi. He didn't ask for pastor. He said, I want Bobby Richardson to come to my deathbed. And Bobby did. And he prayed with Mick, Mickey Mantle and led him to Christ. You know, I wonder if we as a church and if you as individuals on the precipice of something great, but something or somebody has preeminence and allegiance in your heart and in your life more than Christ. And today at Great Hills Baptist Church, God says, I want you to give it up. Would you give it up? I mean, he's asking us that. I mean, he asked Abraham. He said, Abraham, give me this, your son. Well, he did. That's why I call it prompt obedience. He wasn't delayed. Ooh, let me put a hard word on you. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Ouch. Don't delay. Don't rationalize. Don't debate with God. He knows more than you. He's still in control. He still is sovereign. He knows what is best. If he asks for your glove or your girlfriend or if he asks for whatever, give it to him because God only has what's best. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that can provide. All right, notice next how he responds in faith. Not only did he see a pliable servant and obedient, but, but he's, he has great faith. In verse 5 it says, He said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and, with, and the lad and I are going to go worship. What's up with that? I want to go worship. I'm going to kill him, but we're coming back. I want to tell you something, guys. That is radical, unmitigated, unadulterated, pure, pristine faith. He believes he's about to kill this boy, but this boy is the son of promise, so God has to be true to his promise. He's got to raise him from the dead. He said, that's not what's going on. Yes, it is. How do you know that? I read the rest of the story. Let me show it to you in Hebrews. It gives you the commentary on Genesis 22. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac, not Ishmael, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. Now watch this. Come on now, church. Come on, listen. Listen, listen carefully. He concluded that God was able to raise him up. Raise him from the dead, even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense, meaning he's about dead anyhow when he had him. 
He's 99 years of age. She's 89 years of age. God performed a mighty miracle. God did a great work in his life. And now God is asking for the very miracle and for the great work that God in the first place had given him. It's outlandish. It's outrageous. It does not make sense. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Sometimes God does not make sense on a human mundane level. But the Bible says he is awesome, he is holy, and I trust him. And you got to trust him. And I do trust him. I trust him for this church. Just praying to God, fasting before God, would you do a work in Great Hills Baptist Church? And I'm just praying that he does. Nathan Stone says this, and he says it so well, I've, I've got to read it to you. It says, how deep his anguish and perplexity must have been. Stay, stay with me, please. How deep the perplexity, the anguish it must have been from this request of God. The very God who had been so good to him, yet the faith which enabled him to believe in a staggering promise in the first place is now sufficient for an even more staggering demand. Yeah, I gave you this. Now would you give it back to me? Y'all remember this old hymn, Trust and Obey? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust Him and obey Him. So as we unpack this, let's keep going. In verse 6, we pick it up. Now we're going to come to number 3, that God is the God who provides. Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand, a knife. The two of them went together, and Isaac spoke to his dad's going, what's up? That's my translation. Dad, what's up? Where's the lamb, Dad? There's the fire. There's the wood. Hello. What's going on? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that to God? Just been real guttural, been, been real honest. Say, God, what are you doing? God, would you please, hello, let me in on your big cosmic secret. What are you doing? And God says, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. Why does he do that? Because he's just awesome. And he just wants us to trust him. And then Abraham said, My son, God's going to provide. Verse 8, he's going to provide for himself the lamb of a burnt offering. So they went on, verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him. That's very important. He was obedient. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son. He laid him on the altar. You feel the crescendo? It just pulsates. I mean, this guy's about to kill his son. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, God, wait a minute. This, this is not right. This don't make sense. It doesn't compute. It's not rational, God. What are you doing? Takes the nine. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, just like he said in verse 1. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Hello. 
He passed the test. And Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. I just love that passage. I mean, you know, it's like the, it's, it's just so cool. That ram's got his head in the thicket. You know, like this right here. He can't, can't get out. I can't get out. You stuck and you're going to die, ram, dead ram coming. It's just so cool to me. He's, he can't, can't get out. Where was that ram all along? He was always there. God had already had him there. God was just testing Abraham. And Abraham said, this is it. You are Jehovah Jireh. In Hebrew, you are Jehovah Yireh. The Lord does provide. Now watch this, verse 14, so important. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, let's just walk through this just for a minute. It says, at Mount Moriah, God's going to provide a sacrifice. Abraham thought it was Isaac, but it wasn't. It was this ram caught in a thicket. The ram came, the blood was shed, and the sins were atoned and appeased. God provided. Hey, listen, guys, he provided then, he, he provides today. That word provide, it's an interesting word, isn't it? It's a compound word. Pro means before. Uh, visio in Latin means to see. That's where we get the word video, which we see. Put the two words together. Provision means God sees before. He sees beforehand. He, he had the realm, listen, all along. God had already provided. He's not going to take Isaac's life. God's not a, a, a sacrificial kind of God that he says, demand me your, your children. No, God, God was testing Abraham. Listen, God's testing you. He's, not going to do, he, he's never going to do anything evil. He just wants to see if you're going to trust him and believe in him. Nathan Stone again says, quote, God will certainly provide for the need which his foreseen mind shows him to exist. Now, Beth Moore has a cool comment. I, I like her. I, I, say, I like anybody that's passionate about what they do, you know? And Beth Moore, she is one passionate lady. Beth Moore preaches to my wife, and my wife comes preaches to me. It's a, it's a, wonderful, it's, it's a wonderful setup. <laughs> the second I receive, she says, quote, the least spiritual insight or I learn anything about the practicality of Scripture slapped on the hot pavement of life, I want to make the world's biggest conference call. That's, that's typical. That's fun. That's how I felt when I came to verse 14. God spoke to me. He showed me. And, and as he showed anybody that would read this amazing text and you, you take it through its, its progression, this is what happens. In the mount of the Lord... It will be provided. If you'll fast forward with me from Abraham's day to the greatest of all the kings of Israel, David. David purchased a piece of land from Ornan, the Jebusite. Jebusite, think Jerusalem. That's what that means. He purchased it from him. Remember, he said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. He purchases the piece of property. And it was on that piece of property that Solomon... Built what? What is Solomon known for? 
the temple. There it is. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord, the temple at Jebusite, at Jerusalem on, come on now, somebody help me. That's the same place, by the way, that God told Abraham, I will provide. Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at the place David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, or Aranu, the Jebusite. All right, stay with me. Abraham, there's something special and holy about this mountain. I will provide for the sins of the people. And Solomon builds this massive, ornate, amazing temple and one animal slain after another, after another. God provides the atonement for, the, for his people. Now, come on, stay with me. Fast forward a thousand years ahead to A.D. 30. Do you know where Jesus Christ was crucified? Right there. Same place. On Mount Moriah, the Son of God shed his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Are y'all looking at the same verse I am? The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He will give glory and grace. There's not a, not a thing that he will withhold from those who walk uprightly. Man, what an amazing story. What, what an amazing text that, oh, I like this song. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should what? Should die for me. Oh, listen to this verse. I'm not going to withhold anything that is good for you. Are y'all wrapping your mind around that? Do you get your eyes around that? Do you see that in your marriage? Do you see? Well, you see, I see it in my soteriology, Brother Danny. That is a great word for salvation. It is. It's also a good word for your marriage. And God will provide for your stinking marriage because that's what it is right now. It stinketh, Lord. Well, guess what? God can provide. God can interact. God can move. He can move in your children. He can move in your finances. He can do amazing things, miraculous things, awesome things. The only thing that he asks of you and me is to believe him. Trust me, he says. But I can't, God, because you'll ask too much of me. Trust me. Trust me, he says. And I will unleash heaven's manifold blessings upon your life. Do you believe that? We got some, we got some folks that do. And we got some folks that don't. Some of you don't believe this. And I'm praying for you. I, my heart is bleeding for you that you would open up. L listen to what one pastor said. I love this pastor, Steve Gaines, a buddy of mine. He said, you know, you got a big mountain. You with me? This is a mountain. On this side of the mountain, we are coming up in prayer. You with me? We're bringing our request to God. We're making our way up to the, the top, the summit, the pinnacle. There we go, all right? We're bringing our needs, our requests to God. Well, watch this. On this side of the mountain, here comes God. He's got the need. He's got the answer. And, and it culminates. It, it, it maxes out at the point. And that's what God does. He provides in his omniscience, in his all-seeing, amazing mind. He sees our need. He sees us on the brink of divorce. He sees our financial difficulty. He sees our rebellious, recalcitrant, stubborn teenage souls that they are. You can't kill them. They're yours, okay? You can't kill your kids and go to jail. No, can't do that. you got to love God and trust God. God with it, and then watch this. God will provide. He will. 
I'm, I believe he will. I know he will. I'm just crying out to you, God, that you would provide for this place. That God would move again at Great Hills Baptist Church. Well, let's look at seeing in the promise that it says fulfilled, the prosperous promise. Look, look at it. Ooh, 15 through 18. Look. Then the angel of the Lord said to Abraham, Oh, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Whoop, look out. It's ramping up. Some big old blessings are coming. Blessings, I'm going to bless you. Multiply and I'll multiply your descendants. Oh, my word, look. As the stars of the heaven, the sand which is on the seashore, your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies in your seed. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because you've obeyed me, Abraham. Abraham, from now on, for, forever you will be known and your name will be associated with blessings because you trusted me in all the battery and the series of tests. I watched you, Abraham. You were faithful. You were true. You didn't give up. You were, you were, you were doing what I asked you to do. And now, Abraham, I am going to bless you. Perpetuity. Forever blessings on you, Abraham. And let me show you where the blessings come in, in Galatians 3.16. Here it is. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, Austin, Texas, and to your seeds, plurality, multiplicity of gods. I'm sorry, that's just not biblical. He says, to your singular seed through Christ. The Messiah is going to come through your loins, through your posterity, through your genealogy, through your lineage. The Messiah is going to come. And let me tell you something, Abraham, when he comes, whoo, heaven is going to be opened up because he's going to die on that cross. He's going to rise from the dead, and he's going to scoop up a whole bunch of lost, sinful humanity. He's taking them to heaven. Man, that's a good gospel. Man, that's a good story. That'll make a Presbyterian shout. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it'll get us all kind of wound up and excited. If you think about it, if you wrap your heart and your mind around this gospel, Jehovah Jireh, God does provide. Man, I pray that he provides for you. I pray that he provides for me. Well, we got some big old needs going on. We got this big old house in Arkansas. Lord, please sell that house. He goes, I will when I want to. <laughs> well, can't you do it sooner? Well, Lord, I'm single and I need a man now. Well, Lord, I'm a guy and I'm lonely and I need a woman now. Well, Lord, I need you to work. Now in this marriage, before it just falls apart, and Lord, these kids, and you go on and on, and you say, but, but do you trust me? I'm trusting him. Test, obedience, faith, blessings. One more time. Test, obedience, faith, blessings. Um, a few years ago, we went on vacation to the... Yellowstone National Park. Man, that's the most beautiful place to me in America besides the Grand Canyon. We, we're driving up through there, and a bunch of families from a church have pastored, Brother Lanny's church at Liberty Baptist. And uh, 
I tell you, we, we just went crazy. We had the best time. You got five, six families from one church caravanning. I mean, with your kids hanging out the window. It was just like, it was an awesome trip. Until we came to South Dakota. Now, if you're listening to me by the way of South Dakota, bless you. I love you. South Dakota. We went to the Badlands. Has anybody in this group ever been to the Badlands? Bless you. Okay. You know why they call it bad? Because it's bad. The Indians named it Badland. Badland. Gnats. Hot. You can't grow anything there. But it is just kind of a unique, kind of geographical, you know, topographical, kind of interesting-looking things, which they... Yeah, they're proud of it. So we're like, we're going to the Badlands, gnats and all. Like we're booking down the road to the Badlands. And we notice, where's everybody going? Well, they're, they're taking a detour. And they went to a place that started in 1931. Some of y'all are going, I know where you're going with that. In 1931, uh, Ted and Dorothy Husted bought a drugstore in Wall, South Dakota. Dorothy's uncle, he, he wasn't really, he, he just blurted things out. He said, honey, you married an idiot. That's what he said. She says, he's taking you to a forsaken place. Do not move to Wall, South Dakota. There's nothing out there but gnats and hills and bugs. Don't do it. And they said, no, we believe God's leading us to Wall, South Dakota. They said, well, God must be, because I tell you, that is, that is a, that's a rough place. Well, they prayed about it. They sought godly counsel. They put a fleece out there. They said, God, if there's a good church out there that we can raise our kids, there was. And so in 1931, they moved. Y'all with me? 1931, somebody help me. The Great Depression. And so they move out there, and, and, and he, Ted tells Dorothy, he says, now, honey, we'll give it five years. And in five years, if, if things don't change, then we'll start all over. He graduated from pharmacy school in 29, bought this place in 31. In 1935, it was terrible. 1936, it was terrible. And they were just about to quit. Anybody like that here today? You about to quit? You can't. Dorothy was taking a nap. She woke up. She said, honey, I think I've got something. And he goes, what is it? She said, now don't laugh, but what do all of these travelers here in this barren land, what do they want? Not many travelers, but on Highway 16A, when they go by the little Model T Fords there, A Fords, and they go by, what do they want more than anything else? He goes, well, I guess they, they're thirsty. He goes, she said, this is what we need to do. We need to, we need to give everybody they, uh, free ice-cold water. Let's just make signs along the highway, and let's just say, you know, we're here. Y'all don't even know we're here. Come on over here, and I'll give you some free ice-cold water, and we'll just bless you, and you'll be our customer." And Ted, he goes, oh, honey, you know, all right, if that's what you think we ought to do. He got one of the high school kids there in town. They went putting up these signs. This is a true story. As soon as they put the signs up in the road, cars started detouring toward their store. And by the time they got back, there were many cars lined up. And people running up said, let me tell you something, guys. I don't care what the year is. I don't care what the location is. America knows free. We like free. Free is good. And so they're up there and they're like, we, we want our ice water. 
the, the sign said, they said, oh, okay, sure. And they chip off a block of ice and they give them water. And then, you know, the kids are like, well, Mom, Dad, I don't want just water. Can I get a Coke or can I get something else to drink? Oh, well, sure. Go ahead. Well, you go, well there's some ice cream over there. I tell you, by 1936, the next year, they had to hire, Wall Drugstore had to hire eight employees just to accommodate all the Let me tell you this. If you go to Wall Drug today, in a good summer day, 20,000 people are there every day. Every day. I bet Ted and Dorothy are glad they didn't give up. Listen to what he said. Free ice water. Yeah, it brought us Husteads a long way. And it taught me my greatest lesson and that there's absolutely no place on earth that's forsaken. No matter where you live, you can succeed because wherever you are, you can reach out to other people with something that they need, end of quote. Well, what do you need today? You know, Brother Danny, I need a whole lot more of some ice water. <laughs> can, can I be so audacious to say, Whatever your need is. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm praying for a miracle in our church. I think our church needs a miracle. I think, we have, I think we're just kind of asleep at Great Hills. And I, I'm just wanting God just to move upon us, to shake us, to rattle us to get us fired up for the things of God, to be obedient to God, to give to God, to love God, serve God, and not just treat church like it's, it's just one of the things that, that we do. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, just, I'm just praying that God does something awesome here at this church like he used to. Oh, Brother Danny, man, when the 1980s, 74, this place was on fire. I tell you, well, let me ask you something. Is God dead? Yeah, but right in the glory days. Ooh, the glory days. Let me just get a little closer and talk to you about the glory days. Man, the glory days. We packed it out, man. We just had churches, great things. I had people getting saved right and left. Oh, it was just a wonderful day. I want to tell you something, guys. That's what I want. I want God to move and, and power and glory here in a, in a city of liberalism and postmodernism and pluralism. If I had another ism, I'd give it to you. I, I'm praying that God would move upon your heart and move upon my heart because I don't believe God brought us here for nothing that we can just jack around and look at each other. I mean, well, guys, we, we, we got to get busy. We got to get serious and trusting God, walking with God. Oh, goodness, I want God to move in this church. I want him to move in power. And we got to change, then we're going to change. If we got to give more, then God, we got to give more. Whatever it takes to reach this city with the gospel. Father, I pray and I plead with you in Jesus' name that Lord Great Hills Baptist Church would become that church again, that church of radiance and vibrancy and excitement and zeal. And God, it would start with us. Lord, as I studied the history of awakenings and revivals, usually when it happens, God, it starts in the hearts of teenagers. 
And Lord, I pray for our teenagers here today. I pray for those, Lord, that, um, God, they would sell out to you and be obedient. And Father, they would pray and, and Lord, they wouldn't wait on us old fogies to get right. God, they would just go on and get right and lead the way. Lord, I pray, God, for our church. Lord, we, we are just pitiful in some areas. And God, we need you. Lord, we need you. God, we need that you would just speak to us radically. God, change us. Lord, we trust you today. We need you today. God, you are providing God. You're an awesome God. God, you're testing some of us, Lord. And we need to be, Lord, we need to be true blue like Abraham. So, Father, I pray now as we stand in a moment, as we sing, that, God, you would just move upon us. And that, God, you would change people's lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, you may be here today. And you don't know Christ. You don't have a personal relationship with him. Man, did y'all see that video a moment ago? That's so powerful. Did you see this video a moment ago? Did you see it with your spirit? Would you see it with your mind's eye? And God wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to change you. He wants to, he wants to be not just a part of your life. He wants to be your life. Man, some of you today just need to say, God, here I am, and I give you my heart and my life. Others of you... Man, God's bringing you into this church for a purpose. He wants you to be a part of Great Hills Baptist Church, not so you can just go through the motions of churchiology, but, man, you can be man, you, you, you can be fed the Word of God. You can be changed by God. Ooh. Man. Would y'all stand up with me, please? That'd be awesome. Terry, I feel your presence. Brother, are you back there? Amen. Let's sing to the Lord. God bless you as you come. If you don't come, just pray where you are, and may God speak to us during this invitation.